This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I mean, I think you would admit that your tuna goo you make looks unappetizing. Yes. and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season three, episode 18 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Happy Birthday Baby. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Earshot. Didn't you tell me that this episode of Buffy didn't originally air? Yeah, this episode didn't air because it touches on and talks a little bit about school shooters, and it was like set to air like a couple days or a week after Columbine. I can see why they didn't air it. Yeah, there's like some specific things they say that it's like, oh, that might not have gone over great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This uh, episode of Gilmore Girls is perfectly fine for all times of year. Unless a pizza fell on you. Yeah, maybe if you had like a pizza incident. Yeah, then they'd have to pull it. But otherwise... Good to go. We got some more five-star reviews, Brian. Oh, yeah? Thank you to Hannah Noobs, Dreaming of Forever, and Donna37754321. Thanks. I don't think that's her phone number. It's not the right amount of numbers. But I'm calling it. I'm going to call. call it. We've been getting a bunch of fan mail, too. Mail? <laughs> You've been getting letters? Well, I've been getting emails. It's the same thing. Yeah. Send us an email. It's always fun. Most of the emails I get are from people trying to sell us podcast-related things. But it's nice when it's from a real person. Okay, so let's do some updates about our, like, home and wall. Yeah, we got a new oven. That happened. Yeah, but if you don't remember, last podcast, in the middle of the podcast, our super comes in and is like, I've got to get in your wall. And we're like, what? And he just, like, starts hammering into our wall and, like, just ripping out chunks of our wall looking for, like, a leak. He doesn't find one, so he's like, some plumber's going to come sometime. I don't know. And he just, like, wrapping papers up the giant hole in our wall. And then the landlord was like, it might be, like, a week before someone comes. We're like, okay. But it was, like, a couple of days. And they had to make the hole even bigger, like, all the way to the floor. I guess there was, like, a big hole in the pipe that our sink goes to in the basement. Everyone's confused, though. They show up, first off, and they're just like, so what's the problem? And we're like, we don't know, man. You have to go to the basement. You don't gain any information from our apartment. We don't have any leak. We have no idea what the problem is, man. We just, There's a hole in our walls. our problem. Also, the landlord landlord had no idea. I think she just like knew there was a leak and we were involved so she sent a plumber to us. So the plumbers go downstairs and then they come back up and they're like oh we don't need access to your apartment anymore we're all set. So and then we like, get cool. super naked. Yeah super naked. Midday naked time. Normal. This isn't true. But then they just come back like 40 minutes later and they're like actually we're gonna be doing a lot of work in your apartment probably all day. And we're like okay I don't know what changed but cool. One of these men is filthy. So dirty. Like covered in soot. Like I He's like, do you work in chimneys? Do you work in a chimney? He said he was on top of the boiler downstairs. I don't envy these guys. No. But um, they fixed it, and then the super slathered some plaster on the wall. He's yeah, like, it's... I'll try to fix it. We're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. can you make it look a little nice? And he made it look a little, a little nice. nice. <laughs> like, there's just clumps of plaster on the floor still, but... That was so funny. He's like, I'll try to fix it. I'm like, well, can, okay, like, you need to, though. <laughs> and we repainted it and put our couch in front of it, and it looks... Fine. It looks fine. You can't tell because of the couch. And our apartment smells like the primer he gave us. Yeah, it's like two or three days later now. It still smells like the primer. <sighs> anyway, walls fixed. Ovens replaced. We're set. 
We also went to Governor's Island. It's this little island you have to take a boat to that's a little bit south of Manhattan. I think it used to be like a military base, but it has very nice views of the city and you can walk around. We accidentally went once when they were having this like 1920s dance festival and it was super cool to see all the costumes. So we went again. Yeah, it was a really good time. If you ever come to New York, do like so many other things first probably, but I, I recommend it if you're here for like a week. It's a nice way to see the city. Why don't talk about shows? Okay. So this week we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell our friends and family about Happy Birthday Baby. Okay, so Happy Birthday Baby is about mainly two things. It's about Rory planning a surprise party for Lorelai. Uh, but also it's about Luke trying to find out whether or not Jess is actually going to school or not. And also it's about Lorelai getting some money from her dad. Like all Gilmore Girl and Buffy episodes, sort of a lot's happening in every episode. We're getting to the end of the season. There's a lot to wrap up. Yeah. So we start at Friday night dinner. Emily's annoyed at Richard because apparently he woke up that morning like craving some like favorite food from his childhood and he's actually cooking it himself. This was funny because for some reason we paused it immediately and I was like, where do you think Richard is? It's sort of a joke. And you said he was cooking and I was like, yeah, right. That's not where he is. I had no idea. I did not remember that he cooked ever. I couldn't believe that's actually where he was. Yeah. But he's cooking a food called Johnny Machete. It seems just like a casserole, like a pasta. Yeah, it's like 12 colors and it looks like goo, which reminds me a lot of like the tuna goo you make. Yeah, we'd call it tuna goo for some reason. It's just like a tuna casserole. Yeah, it looks gross. I mean, I think you would admit that your tuna goo looks unappetizing. Yes. It's just like one color. It's got like chips on top. Emily said I saw him open a can of cream of mushroom soup and nothing good can come of that. <laughs> I disagree. Everything made with cream of mushroom soup is fantastic. And also, I want to stress, tuna goo is delicious. Mm -hmm. It just looks like, oh, this is barf, but it's so good. Beef goo, tater tot goo, all good goos. All good goos. Tuna's the only one we refer to as goo. Yeah. Well, anyway, he's called it Johnny Machete, which I guess it's named after someone. Mm. Kind of like that Mabel Nagel pie I make. You said it right. Yeah. Which is a like a cream pie. What do you call it? Like a, like a French silk pie yeah, my kinda. mom taught me how to make. And do you know who Mabel Nagel is? No, it's someone my family knows. If you're Mabel Nagel, wow, I'm surprised you like Buffy and Gilmore. And that you're alive. I, I got the sense you were an old woman when I was a child. If you know Mabel Nagel, send us an email. Yeah, please Brian's do. mom. <laughs> yeah. I also want to mention that they reused a joke. Emily says it looks like somebody already ate the Johnny Machete. Yeah. Lorelai said that about the mashed banana on toast in season one. Uh, come on, Amy. So Emily's like super annoyed and she's complaining about the way it looks and how many colors it is. And Rory decides it's time to announce that she's decided to go to Yale. And surprisingly, after she announces it, Richard and Emily both act like, like they're not excited about it. Almost like they want to change the subject. Almost like maybe they're a little disappointed, which is weird because they were like super pushing for Yale. Weird. But this is all just because they don't want to upset and get into a fight with Lorelai. Because obviously they got their way and they're going to feel like we did exactly the thing Lorelai hates. We manipulated mm -hmm. her daughter and she's going to be furious. But Lorelai like assures them that she is also excited that Rory is going to Yale. And then Richard and Emily freak the fuck out. <laughs> like once they got permission to get excited. Yeah, just, like... they grab champagne. They're so pumped to call their friends the Talbots and gloat because their friend's son is an idiot or something. Yeah. But then this is that's kind of fun. But there's a really cute moment where Richard and Emily both come over and like hug and kiss uh, Rory because they're so excited for her. That was really nice. I like yeah, I was waiting for the scene. I remember, I feel like this image is in the opening credits eventually. Mm -hmm. So I've just like seen this moment a lot and I was excited because it's so cute. Yeah, I, and I thought it was well written too, the way that they were like, oh God, we can't be excited. Yeah. 
At the end, Lorelai and her staff are trying to get things up and running because you remember there was a big fire that mildly damaged one room. <laughs> Apparently, it actually burned down a bunch of bedrooms. She's like talking to the construction guy. It sounds like they can get it fixed in a, under a couple weeks. By the way, Dosi's like ornery construction crew captain is here again. Uh, he's super fun. I love this guy. Tom. His name's Tom? Mm-hmm. I, I like him. Like whenever he's got news, she's like, is it good news? He's like, what do you think? <laughs> it's all fun. But most important about this scene is we get to meet Tobin, the night manager. They referenced him in the previous episode. He's the one that called and told them about the fire. And this is played by Bruce McCulloch. McCulloch? I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I don't know. But he's the kid from Kids in the Hall. I recognized him immediately. And he is great. I loved him. I thought I wasn't going to like him because he was like such a strong character right up top. But I was wrong. He was super good, super funny. He's funny the entire episode. Tobin, by the way, 100% feels like a made-up improv name. Like when you're in a scene and you're Mm. forced to name like four people, and you're like Tom, Eric, Tobin, and just falls out of your mouth. Yep. I have never met a Tobin. I will say that I have heard the name Tobin one time, and I remembered it because it was so bizarre. When was that? In Ghostbusters, Egon says that he's read Tobin's Spirit Guide, and I think they reference it in the show. Because Tobin, in this, like, huge exposition dump where he, like, explains who his character is, he mentions how he loves searching the halls of the inn at night for ghosts. Oh. Which is a funny line by itself, but I was like, oh, I wonder if that's, like, a little wink-wink to the Ghostbusters reference. Anyway, Tobin is, like, the opposite of Michelle. He's, like, ultra-sweet, ultra-nice. He, like, wipes a a chair down before uh, Lorelai sits in it. Of course, Michelle, like, hates him. At first, I thought it was just because he's, like, the polar opposite of Michelle. But later, it's clear that Tobin is, like, gunning for Michelle's job. Mm -hmm. Like, he tells Lorelai, like, you know, if you need me around in the morning, I can help. I love doing night, but, you know, I could do mornings. And then he, like, gives Michelle a look, letting us know that it's, like, an act. Yeah, and he's gotten her, like, a birthday gift before her birthday. He got her, like, a cappuccino candle that she loves. Michelle pitches during the construction to do like an Airbnb thing, which Lorelai hates. Yeah. And then Tobin's like, you know, I actually think that's a great idea. And Michelle's like, get off my side immediately. Yeah, that was super funny. The B&B thing was great for a couple of reasons. She says that she hates B&Bs because it forces people to mingle, which is like kind of a reference to Cheshire Cat because that whole episode they hated the idea of having to talk to those people. Yeah. So then at the house, as we already know, Lorelai's birthday's coming up and she is making an enormous list of household work for Luke to do because apparently he gives her five hours of free handyman work as a birthday gift every year and of course she's once again abusing Luke's friendship slash infatuation with her she says he gives this to her and then when he shows up he seems unhappy though I think it's because she super abuses it I think she may even wring more than five hours of work out of him I was gonna say five hours of five hours so you think he like ends up staying longer but it's also just like I don't know what does she get him I mean I guess we'll find out right I don't know if we do but that's a good question she probably smiles at him that's like her birthday gift when ruins whatever relationship he's in paris calls rory and we get a funny moment where she asks if people are still talking about her like freak out rant on stage and rory is like oh no but it's clear that they still are paris also mentions that her mom had like face surgery and it like deflated yeah she says she has to, like lie on her back for a week or something for yeah. it to settle and rory references brazil which i thought was very funny brazil by the way great movie you should check it out super fun depressing and dark but super fun i don't know it but Rory suggests that Paris should just do something spontaneous and, like, crazy with her free time, a concept that Paris struggles with. But she agrees that she'll try. More on this later. Rory then goes over Lorelai's birthday week schedule. Since when did Lorelai become, like, a princess? Like, a week schedule of birthday stuff? Yeah, I guess it's, like, her 35th birthday, which is a sort of 
round number, but like if it was her 40th, maybe you could have like a week of birthday. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's something of like, oh, we're going to do a couple fun things this week, but there's just so much planned out for her birthday. I mean, there's so much about this show that doesn't make sense yeah, financially. Right. right. But Rory paying for this party, especially. This relationship between any mother and daughter does not exist. <laughs> this is just like so much. Anyway. Then we get another phone call from Richard via his secretary. It's a funny scene because he's like dictating to his secretary what to say, even though they're both in the same room. Lorelai's like, no, I need to talk to Richard. Anyway, he wants to meet for some meeting. He wants to meet for, (laughs) that's what I said. I said he wants to meet for some meeting at the meeting spot. (laughs) He wants to meet uh, for coffee. He won't say why. It's all very mysterious. Hopefully this coffee meeting will fit into Lorelai's very busy birthday week schedule. Speaking of which, Rory is planning a lot of stuff. She is going to be throwing at a massive party. She meets Lane at a cake shop where she orders a two-type frosting cake. And in addition to this cake, apparently she's trying to make her mom the world's biggest pizza. Unfortunately, according to Lane, it won't be the world's biggest. Not even the biggest in the tri-state area, but it'll be very big to say the least. Like 12 feet? Yeah. That's pretty big. I also want to point out that the cake is a four-foot cake with cupcakes on top of it. Yeah. And it also says happy 16th birthday. I didn't really get why. She wanted 16th birthday? I think so. Oh, I missed that. I don't know how I could have missed something on Gilmore Girls when the dialogue is like too fast to be perceptible. I accidentally switched it to 1.5 yeah. speed once. It was like the clip where Dean says Roy likes Jess and then like sadly walks away. But it was sad music, but sped up. It sounded not sad. It's funny. Outside of the cake shop, Rory runs into Jess, and we have an actual nice moment between the two. What happened? He's coming out of, like, a video store, I guess? Yeah. And I guess they have this tradition where one of them picks the movie and the other one picks the food, because apparently their uh, tastes do not align on those things. Apparently every freaking day? Sounds like they've been doing this every night this week, and Rory's got a packed birthday week. Rory apparently picks men that just do not have the same interest in movies. But yeah, Jess was like a real boyfriend in this scene. Yeah, he was like flirty and nice. Lane thought it was cute. Roy is also like super happy that Jess looked up how far away Yale was from Stars Hollow. Because she's staying and you can tell that he's like excited about that. She just keeps like, you looked it up, you looked it up. Couple things about this. Okay. Jess says that he yahooed it. Mm Mm-hmm. That did not age well. Mm-mm. Apparently this information wasn't on his AOL homepage, you know? He went to his angel fire. She's, like, so excited that he looked this up, which is, like, crazy to me. Because looking up how far away where your girlfriend's going to be spending most of her time is, like, literally the easiest thing to do in the world. Even then, like, Yahoo didn't become more complicated. Maybe it's just out of character for him. It would be weird if he didn't look it up. It's cute that she thinks it's cute. I suppose, but, like, he does this macho, like, I only looked it up because I was bored and didn't have anything to do and there was nothing on TV. It was like, dude, you can't even pretend to care that you value your girlfriend. This is a beloved scene, Brian. You're going to get hate email. This is all Luke's doing. (laughs) (laughs) He can't even be vulnerable with the love of his life. This is, like, everyone's favorite Jess and Rory moment. Okay, I'm glad it's all downhill from here, I guess. <laughs> this is the Oi with the Poodles already of Jess and Rory. Is it? I People like it. I mean, they like it because they're happy. Yeah. But in the same token, it's like, oh my God, he like Googled. I'm going to say Google because that's what we would say now. Googled how far away your college is. Oh my God, what a romantic. He truly loves you. I thought it was cutely acted. It felt real. I do agree that. Yeah, you're right. I'm being harsh because it's a silly thing to get excited about, but I do feel like the actors acted well. At Luke's, Dosie's complaining to his lawyer, Nicole, that his candy contract isn't as mean as he thinks it should be. <laughs> yeah, like opens with him saying, I'd like it to be worded a little harsher. <laughs> She's like, it's already harsh? These candy people are shifty characters. 
Luke interrupts them to confirm that he and Nicole are going on a date that night. She confirms it. Then Luke, once again, acts like a crazy, emotionally broken person. (laughs) Nicole asks him to sit down and talk. He sighs and is like, oh, we're going to have the conversation when he sits down. But, like, it's clear this isn't a breakup conversation. So it's not that conversation. Yeah, is that what he think it's going to be? He just confirmed they're going on a date. Yeah. So does he think she wants to, like, put a label on it? I think he just can't have an emotional moment with somebody. Yeah. Also, before Taylor leaves, he's like, why are you still dating him? Yeah, and then he tries to hook him up with his, like, nephew who just got out of a three-year stint in a biosphere. What the fuck? She's in front of Luke. But I just, I just can't imagine, like, can we talk for, like, two seconds? Oh, talking? Oh, God. It's like, I know she's not Lorelai guy, but just try. Yeah, it seemed like he was maybe worried about some specific thing she was going to say. But even so, like, she wants to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you've been dating a while. I guess he's at work. Yeah, well, anyway, she wants him to meet her parents. He doesn't want to do that because parents always hate him. Now, this I can relate to. I don't like meeting my girlfriend's parents. I do it all the time. (laughs) They always forget you. Oh, I'm not just yours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I just, I get that. It's like, it's an awkward thing. Yeah. But Jess just like walks over and like calls him out on it. He's like, just meet her parents already. This line's pretty funny. He came out of nowhere. So now that Luke is ridiculed by Jess, which is apparently the only form of love he understands, he agrees to meet with Nicole's parents. Then Jess pretends to go to school. Yep. But Luke sees him run to his car instead. This looks so, like, it didn't look like he really was pretending to go to school at all. It's just so close to, like, Luke's. Luke can just see him. Yeah, he should have gone into the school and, like, gone out a different door. Yeah, but he just goes to his car and then goes to Walmart. Honestly, I would rather go to school than Walmart, but that's, you know, that's me. Meanwhile, at Chilton, Paris returns with a busted-ass nose. She decided to get a nose ring, but she's allergic to the metal in her nose. But I guess that's just sort of the karma you get when you make fun of your mom's face for deflating. Mm. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I was like, oh yeah, that's what you get. This scene is pretty much just to show that Paris is incapable of doing spontaneous things. But also, this is the first phone call of many to the pizza guy. Pete, the pizza guy, calls Rory, and he says there's a problem with the pizza. We're going to have to put in a secondary support crust. I do think all oh, this guy's dialogue is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he calls throughout the episode, but she's like, whatever you got to do, just make this pizza. Then at the Gilmore house, Lorelai sees that Rory has spelled out happy birthday in cookies. Malamars. Malamars specifically? Mm-hmm. That's a cookie though, right? Yeah, those are like those s'more cookies. Oh, yeah. I love s'mores. You do. And then Luke shows up to start his indentured servitude to his friend, and he calls her out for eating a cookie from the table and then replacing it from the box. He's like, why didn't you just eat it from the box? I kind of hate all of this. This is supposed to be cute and show how, like, idiosyncratic Lorelai is, but, like, she wanted to eat the cookie, and it was right in front of her, so she did, and now she's replacing it. I'm siding with Lorelai here. Yeah. What she did was a little weird, but Luke makes such a big deal out of it. Yeah. He's probably just trying to eat up some of those five hours. There's, like, a weird line here. Maybe you can explain this to me. Okay. So going through the list of like things he has to do for her, he says that he can't put up a towel rack today because he didn't bring his drill. Lorelai starts to like laugh or make a joke. He's like, yeah, I know. It's dirty. I know. What is dirty? I think the word drill. But it's not like he says like, I got to drill that hole. That would have been dirty. He says he forgot his drill. He didn't have his drill. That's not dirty. I uh, also thought it felt like a stretch for a joke. Yeah. I have a show that does so many quick, funny jokes. This one, I was like, you need me in a quota for jokes? I've been picking apart a lot of character stuff, but this episode is, like, very funny, actually. 
the one important thing from this scene that I think that, that we have is that he tells Lorelai, one, about Jess, but also that he's going to meet with Nicole's parents. And Lorelai says, I think that's great. I think that, oh, that's so, oh, that's good. Why are you doing your mom? Oh, oh Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same thing my mom said when we moved in together immediately. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah, it's the same way he reacted when Lorelai told him she was going fishing with Alex. Yeah. Where is Alex? No one knows. I wouldn't be surprised if they forgot he's in the show. He's going to show up at like a drugstore like two seasons from now. Kiss Lorelai. Then we see a fun scene of Rory outside of Dosie's carting like a thousand cans of soda. And Jackson confronts her for not consulting him or Suki for help creating the world's largest pizza. Rory points out that pizza's not really Suki's thing. And then Jackson points out everything Suki's thing. Both valid points. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like this was a fine thing. I liked the scene. But I wish they would have like referenced it again in the end or something. I think they just were like, let's put Jackson in this episode. But, but not Suki. Yeah, she's doing a movie. But it wasn't just Jackson being Jackson. Like he said Suki was crying at home. Right. I think it's just to remind us that the pregnancy story is still happening. But then like, is Suki pissed at Lorelai? Like, is she going to skip her party because she's well, sad? She's, why would she be mad at Lorelai? Lorelai's not planning the party. No, but like, is she just going to sit home and be sad and miss the party because she's offended and like ruin Lorelai's birthday? I doubt it. Suki's a good friend. There's a lot of baggage here that we just there don't is. deal with. I don't have an idea why she didn't ask Suki, though, honestly. She's trying to design or bake the largest pizza in the world, and it's being done by, like, the simplest-seeming pizza guy ever. She needs to get, like, Tom to do it. You gotta prioritize the engineering first and then worry about the flavor. Yeah, an ornery construction guy, not a dumb pizza guy in Kirk. Yeah. Then we get to see that meeting with Richard and Lorelai, that secret rendezvous. We find out that when Lorelai was born, Richard, to celebrate, decided to do some real estate investment, like just over the phone, spontaneously. Kind of something like Paris should have done instead of getting a nose ring. Mm-hmm. But he put it in Lorelai's name. Since then, the government recently bought the land, I'm guessing through eminent domain, I don't know, and is going to build the road. So Lorelai gets a check for $75,000. God, I wish I had a check for $75,000. Yeah. Mom, Dad, did you invest some money for me in real estate we could sell to the government? If anybody has $75,000, we will take it. Yeah, thanks. Lorelai makes a joke about buying some expensive shoes. Like, she calls them, like, shimmy shoes? Jimmy shoes? You just say shimmy shoes? The Jimmy Chews, I think? Yes. Are these real shoe brand? Yeah. You're aware of them? Only because of this show. Okay. But I've been aware of it from the show for, like, 15 years. Then Richard does that shitty thing where he's like, you can't buy that with your money. You're going to shop around. I hate when he does that. I did the math. It's $500 a pair. Richard makes it clear in this scene that this is like not a gift. Not in a mean negative way. I think actually like quite the opposite. He's trying to say like, you don't owe us this money. This isn't like charity. Like this is your money. In a sense, you earned it. I'm legally required to give it to you. Yeah. This will come up later. He doesn't say, don't tell Emily about this money. Does not. But the fact that he's like meeting her and like didn't whip this out at Friday night dinner is a little like... Why? It's even weirder he whipped his dick out at Friday Night Dinner. Yeah, well, he's at home. You know what I mean? He just made his Johnny Machete. <laughs> That's part of making it. Once he get, I'll tell you, once Richard's had a couple of cans of cream of mushroom soup, things get crazy. He made it two Friday nights in a row? Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> For Lorelai's birthday? He makes it again? Yeah, she loved it. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a very quick scene. Okay. 
Back at the house, I'm guessing as part of Lorelai's birthday week shenanigans, she and Rory are eating the largest bowl of mac and cheese I have ever seen. It's too big. It looked delicious. They can't eat that much. I don't think a body can process that much lactose. I don't think two bodies can. If it's anything like their cereal, they probably made it together and Rory's about to walk away. (laughs) Think of like the biggest mixing bowl you have. It's at least that big. Yeah. Speaking of which, Rory does walk away. She gets a phone call from the pizza guy. They did a trial run on the pizza, and Kirk got severe cheese burns. All this was actually super funny. Rory asks if Kirk is okay. He's, like, in the background all bandaged up and moaning, and the pizza guy's just like, who knows, uh, and then moves on. Yeah. He tries to say that they might have to go without cheese or without toppings, but Rory insists, like, this is a pizza. You have to have those things. He acquiesces, like, pretty much immediately. He does say that she'll need to provide her own transportation. Lorelai comes in and asks who's on the phone, and Rory said it was Astrid from school, which is not a person we know. But Astrid is a character from Miss Maisel, so they must like that name. Oh. I think it's her brother's wife. Right. Back at Luke's, Luke finally confronts Jess about Walmart. First, Luke tries to just offer Jess more hours and money at the diner, but Jess turns him down. All of this is happening while Jess is, like, awkwardly styling his hair. Luke reminds Jess of the deal they have, and then just is like, I know you're going to Walmart. I watched. And Jess is like, don't worry about it. I got it under control. He's like, I'm smarter than everybody there. Don't worry about it. My history teacher is also the football coach, which I get. I also went to a very underfunded school in Rockford, Illinois. I went to a private school, and the football coaches were teachers. All the coaches were teachers, I think. Is that a thing? Where people, like, pay professional coaches to come in and coach high school sports? I would guess, like, at places like Chilton, yeah. The athletic director, I think, maybe only taught, like, a couple classes. But, yeah, all the major sports teams were coached by teachers. Yeah. I wouldn't say I went to, like, the wealthiest school. It was, like, a private Christian school, not, like, a private we-got-money Chilton-type school. But I thought what Jess said was, like, a normal thing for all schools. Tell us what your school's like. Yeah, what was your high school coach-teacher situation? Back at the inn, Lorelai is reluctantly admitting that she's sort of running a temporary B&B right now. Tobin is back, and he's gone full Martha Stewart. He's turned all the broken china into, like, little tea light table decorations and made, like, a china collage. Who is he telling this to? Is it just other employees? Two, like, staff members who we don't see the face of who then just at some point walk away randomly. Like, while he's still talking, Lorelai shows up, and then they just walk away. It's very weird. It is weird. This scene, though is probably my favorite scene in the episode. Oh, wow. Michelle's being very pleasant, which is not classic Michelle. And he bought Lorelai a fancy journal from Madrid. And while she's taking it out, he's like shitting all over Tobin's candle gift. Lorelai says it's the first time Michelle's ever gotten her a gift. (laughs) And she says that she really loves this gift. He's like, yeah, it's not something you could just like buy at the store. And then Tobin's all like, oh, actually, that candle was just a pre-gift. Then he brings out Joel Strummer's touring jacket. Why was he saving it for this moment? (laughs) Probably just in case Michelle brought up a gift. Like, was he going to keep it for himself otherwise? Like, why wouldn't he lead with this? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Joe Strummer is a member of the band The Clash. Did you know that? I did not know that. Me neither. They explain it in the episode, but for you at home who may not know, uh, he had recently died at this point. Uh, And I guess Rory and Lane loved him, so did Lorelai. So this gift is outrageous. It's like crazy. It must have been super expensive. Mm -hmm. Michelle like freaks out. It's so funny. He's like, this is so great. Uh, You're going to smell like a dead guy. (laughs) And then he's like, I got to go run an errand clearly to go buy another gift. I loved all that. So funny. I hope this becomes a running bit. I wonder what he went to get. You can't really top that in Stars Hollow. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to drive for a while. He's going to have to come back with (laughs) $75,000. 
Meanwhile, at Nicole's parents' house, Nicole is just having one of those friendly, fun family arguments with her dad about whether surrogacy can be pulled out of. I tried to think of something other than pulled out. Yeah, that's a weird choice of words. <laughs> like canceled. Backed out of. Can be backed out of at the last minute before you come. This was weird because we were. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you a little late. This was weird because it opens on this. So we're like, is Nicole pregnant? Is she getting a surrogate? This seems like a heavy conversation to have with Luke meeting her parents for the first time. Yeah, it seems that she likes to have very spirited conversations with her dad about all kinds of different topics. Then Nicole's parents go into full interview. You got to marry our daughter and have some kids sometime mode. Oh, yeah, it was a lot. They keep stressing that kids are good until Luke has a meltdown. He goes into a full, like, George Costanza Seinfeld rant. He's like, yeah, kids are great until they lie to you about going to school and they're really going to Walmart. This was whatever. I thought this scene was kind of silly. Me too. The next day, she calls him while he's at the diner, and he apologizes for how he acted and says that, you know, he was stressed out, and he'll make it up to her. He'd love to meet with her parents again. Well, she's like, well, that might not be for a few months. And he's like, well, that's fine. She's like, so you're saying it's okay to schedule a meeting with my parents in a few months? Like, we'll be together? Yeah, the implication being like, you think that's how solid this relationship is? He's like, oh, my God, not the conversation. (laughs) He isn't like that, though. He's all like, yeah, yeah, of course. But also, I think this whole scene is just to be like, oh, the relationship's working, which is all misdirect. Because anytime a show makes a point of showing that a relationship is good and working, this is only so that they can rip it apart in like an episode or two from now. Okay. Absolutely, by the end of the season, something's going to come between him and Nicole. Okay. Or, no, I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. I don't like your okays. Now I feel like I'm wrong. (laughs) Okay. We also saw Jess was happy with Rory, although they didn't, like, stress that as much. But I feel like feel like it's something's going to happen to him and Nicole. With Jess and Nicole? Yeah. I th- <laughs> <laughs> they do have a bit of a relationship. That's why he had to leave that other night. He was like, I can't be here. I want her so bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Luke's on the phone, Jess just comes in and is like, get off the phone. My car's been stolen. Luke is all like, oh, we'll figure out what's wrong. Don't worry. You just go to school. You were going to go to school, right? Jess is all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lying. Yeah. It's weird because they never, like, spell this out, but, like, did Luke, quote-unquote, steal it? Oh, for sure. Right? He moved it or something. I think they spelled it out with Luke's reaction after he leaves. Yeah, he smiles. Because Luke also does not seem concerned that someone stole his car. I think Luke would be pissed if someone actually stole his car. Right. Luke stole his car. You're right. I'm pretty sure he did. But you're right. They don't actually say that ever. This is the last we see of either of them in this episode, I think. Okay, so it is now Lorelai's birthday. And that's important because Rory shows up at the pizza place to give them a check for this pizza. I have no idea how expensive this is. Maybe this is where the $75,000 is going. It (laughs) is got to be expensive. Rory's footing the bill here. But the pizza guy and Kirk and some other weirdo, I don't know who this dude is. This is, name is Joe. I've seen him as like an extra at Luke's a couple times. I don't know if he's ever had lines though. Well, he's a weirdo. I've seen him around. He reminds me of someone we know. Oh, really? Redacted. Ah, yeah, I can see that. But this pizza crew tell Rory that they figured out a solution. Instead of making one huge pizza, they'll just make several small little pizzas. A pizza doily. Yeah, and they can make it one pizza by, like, just putting slices of cheese between them. This is a term that triggers the now-burnt Kirk. He says, don't say the C word. (laughs) (laughs) And Rory's all like, no, you're going to make a big pizza. That's the whole idea. And she's, like, in super boss mode, just telling them what they have to do. But my thought is, like, this is the day you're making the largest pizza you've ever made. You should probably already be working on it. How do they even cook it? Like, there's no way they have an oven that big. That's a great question. 
I'm just, this whole time, I'm like, this isn't possible. But even if it was possible, there's no way that, like, everything can't be set to go before the day starts. Like, they have to know what they're doing. They can't be, like, improvising day of for this, like, 12-foot pizza. The whole episode, I'm thinking it's not possible. But, like, also, they've been telling Rory the whole episode that it's not possible. Yeah. So I, I don't know what she was expecting. She 100% should have gone to Suki. <laughs> Suki would have made this work. That would have been an interesting choice since they set that up, you know, if she, like, needed to go to Suki in the Right, end. but they don't pay that off. No. All this team needs is like her to threaten them a little bit or be stern and they're just they just roll over. They're like, okay. Yeah. That's kind of how she was with Paris in that last episode. Yeah. Rory's sort of developing this no nonsense boss attitude. Mm -hmm. Ever since her mom like kind of showed that side of herself when the inn burned down. Yeah. So it's Friday night dinner, Lorelai's birthday. The Gilmores and the staff are singing happy birthday to Lorelai. They have a giant cake out with candles. Lorelai's about to blow them out, and then Emily tells the maid to take them away. And Lorelai's like, well, it's going to blow this out. And Emily's like, well, the maid will blow them out. <laughs> She's like, I thought only children blew them out. Okay, Emily, you are so weird. So disconnected from reality. Lorelai is wearing a shirt with like a snake on it. Willow's wearing a shirt with like a similar shaped maybe snake on it in the other episode. Connections. Mm-hmm. Then the big drama of this episode happens. Lorelai's like, thank you so much for everything. Mom, I have a little something for you. And she gives her the check. And while her mom's like digesting the fact that she's got this check that's paying her back for Rory's school, Lorelai's like, I couldn't have done this without you. Thank you so much. Emily does not take this well. Emily's like, oh, you must be so happy that you have no reason to come back here. Like, you don't need us anymore. You don't owe us anything. You never have to come back to another Friday night dinner. And to be fair, Lorelai's like, we'll occasionally come back. I feel like she could have been like, no, I'd love to do Friday night dinner with you. Maybe not every Friday, but, you know, we, this is a fun tradition. But she says occasionally in a way that seems like, yeah, once a blue moon will be back here. Yeah. There's a part where Lorelai's like, wouldn't you rather we come over voluntarily? And then Emily sort of answers with a question. She's like, oh, you would come voluntarily? And then Lorelai also doesn't, they, they don't really admit what the other person doesn't want to hear. Right. I don't know. I don't think Lorelai is in the wrong. Everyone's super mad at her. Maybe there was a slightly more tactful way to do it. Like, maybe not on her birthday, maybe not in front of everyone, but, like, she always was going to pay them back. Right. There's there's some more to this scene, though, too, because she, like, immediately throws Richard under the bus. She's like, well, Dad gave me the money, and then he's like, I told you not to tell Emily, which he did not do. No. He thought it was maybe implied since he asked her to meet, like, on the DL during the day. But he should have said that, I feel like. Mm -hmm. For somebody that's all about, like, dotting your I's and crossing your T's, he should definitely have done that. He also doesn't know how old his daughter is. Yeah, he says 36, and she's like, I'm 35. And then he, like, double-checks the math in his head, and, like, you're cool, dude. I do feel like this season and last season, they did a better job of fleshing out why Richard's a problematic father. Because mm. in season one, I used to like, no, he seems like a pretty cool dude. But I feel like this and last season, like, oh, he does have issues. Mm -hmm. But now Emily's mad at Richard and Richard's mad at Lorelai. But also Emily is just kind of furious that she's not going to see her granddaughter as much. She releases them from their obligation. Yeah. And then she like goes off to bed. And the maid brings in huge pieces of cake. Yeah. Two huge pieces of cake, which is like, there's so much food ahead of you girls. <laughs> On the way home, like you said, Rory starts, like, calling Lorelai out for being insensitive and for, like, doing this at the party. And, I don't know, Rory's kind of like, you know, it hurt them and you shouldn't have done it. But then Lorelai's, like, not having any of this. She's like, the relationship you have with your grandparents is not the same relationship I have with them. And I thought that was, like, important. And, like, I was like, oh, that's true. Like, they're all warm and fuzzy and supportive of you. That's not how they always were to me or are to me. That actually convinced me that Lorelai was right. 
Yeah, and she presses Rory, like, what should I have done? And Rory has no answer. Right. I think what I said is, like, maybe right. Like, the only way she could have made this any better is just, like, not do it at a special occasion. It was going to go badly regardless. Yes. She could have done it in a nicer way, like, hey, um, I'm going to have the money to pay you, like, kind of, like, warn her mom. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, go in negotiating, like, we'll come every other week. Yeah. And maybe wean off of that. Exactly. Because paying the money back is a bit of a, well, what about our relationship? And I feel like you need to answer that first. Yeah, like have that all planned out when you drop the bomb. But I'm just thinking of nicer ways to do it. There isn't anything really wrong with what Lorelai did. Like right. you said, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think the show wants us to think that as well. Yeah. Their fight is pretty short-lived. Rory sees her mom's point, And then Lorelai sees the party Rory had planned for her and the giant green-screened pizza. You they- think it was green screen? I do. What do you think? I think it was just made out of something squishy. Maybe. Something looked off. I don't know what it was. Huh. Um, so maybe it was uh, just a big fake pizza. I don't know. But she sees this giant pizza being lowered by a crane, which we know Rory was in charge of scheduling. Yeah. She's the one that arranged for this crane. I wonder if just because everyone loves Rory, she got a lot of favors. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, Kirk is helping lower it, which <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense. They already set up that he was the reason the first transportation failed. Yeah, it was either his fault or he would be too hurt and traumatized by the pizza to like go anywhere near this one. Also, it's like, maybe keep your weird, bleeding, blistered, bandaged hands away from the pizza. Yeah. Uh, and that's how the episode ends. It's on a big happy note. She's super excited about her party. We don't get to see it. I'm assuming the next episode is like the hangover. It's like, what happened at the party? It's dealing with Suki being all sad from not being part of the birthday party. Oh, yeah. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode? Yeah, I do. I was having a good time watching it. Me too. I, I already said this, but I picked apart some of the scenes. But, like, honestly, there were a, quite a few really good jokes. All the stuff with Tobin and Michelle was, like, fantastic. There's some stuff I didn't like. Um, you mentioned the Luke rant with yeah. Nicole's parents. I didn't really like the whole Nicole's parents scene at all. I agree. I thought Luke literally acted insane in that scene. I don't think we needed that scene. It didn't build Luke and Nicole's relationship in any way, other than they set up that they're going to try again. And I don't know. I don't know that we needed to see Luke rant about Jess. Right. He could have done that in the scene where he was talking to Lorelai instead of poking holes in her Malamar logic for like five minutes. Right. I do think they really dropped the Suki pizza thing. That could have been a two-part story. Yeah. And I did think the Tobin stuff was like a little over the top. Yeah. It was just really unrealistic that he would get that jacket. Like, how much money are you going to make at this day job that you can afford this jacket for your boss? It's interesting that you say that because earlier in the episode, Tobin was suggesting they should get a celebrity to the B&B to, like, maybe get people interested in coming. Yeah. And he says that he, like, knows some celebrity. Yeah. So I wonder if he got this because he knows someone. Sure. Besides that, you're absolutely right. This jacket probably costs, like, five grand or something like that at least. Um, But I I enjoyed all of the scenes. Like, Rory was super fun being in, like, boss mode. Mm -hmm. I do think the Jess moment is cute. I like the Luke and Jess scenes. And the opening scene was super cute. All the stuff with Richard and Emily was good. I love a a Friday night dinner fight. I love me a good Friday night dinner fight. That's what you come for. That's why when an episode's ending on a Friday night dinner, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to love a season five episode. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. It's called Friday Night's All Right for Fighting. Spoilers. Is that actually the name? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sounded <laughs> made up as shit. It's not the whole episode, but there's a good chunk of the episode that's just a fight. Um, did you like it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought it was funny. Cool. Should we move on? Let's do it. And now, for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Meanwhile Uncharted. Uncharted. 
Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on an IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 3, Episode 18, Sin Francisco, a demon wielding the seven deadly sins, uses his power against the Charmed Ones, and after only a few hours, exposed to pride, gluttony, lust, and sloth, Phoebe, Prue, Piper, and Leo may self-destruct. What about the other three sins? Yeah, I was going back to count. I'm like, that doesn't seem like seven. They just don't even get to greed, wrath, and envy before they self-destruct? I guess not. This demon might just not know what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He's like, loses count. He's like, did I, did I do them all? Yeah, I bet, though, he's he's gotten really good at the first four. Yeah. Like, he's practiced those, and he's like, these are so good. Oh, so I'm going to make you so full of food. <laughs> <laughs> no one's even going to make it to the last three. So he just doesn't even really work on those. You're going to be so proud and horny for your fat tummies. But, I mean, I guess he's right, because it says after a few hours, they may self-destruct. But they don't, because they're all so worried about the last three, and he's just, like, real not good at it. He's like, I bet you're super jelly that Leo's a dog. And they're like, not really. He's like, oh, I, uh, uh, I bet you're super. Do you want to do some wrath? To like, do some wrath? What? What is wrath? He's like, I, don't, I, I never get to wrath. He's so good at sloth. They were just like super relaxed by the time they got to that one. These just weren't intimidating at all. Yeah. Either. He's like, do you want to do some greed? And they're like, no, we're actually, I'm going to keep doing sloth. We have a lot of money. We, we don't really have any more greed. We inherited a mansion. And then he sort of just like gives up, I think, is what happens. Yeah. He's the one that thought after a few hours they would self-destruct, but he was mistaken. Yeah, and it's just like, honestly, they don't even really defeat the demon. He's just like, what? Whatever. Fine. I'm leaving. And then he self-destructs. He should go home and practice the other three sins if he wants to do this again, but he doesn't. He's lazy. You know, he's super good at sloth. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the lesson here. Yeah, every episode of Charm's got a lesson, you know? It's a very after-school specialty show. Yeah, where someone fucks a dog. (laughs) Every week. (laughs) Yeah. Loudly, too. Did we set that up, or is that just something you're deciding now? No, we've set that up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. That's right. And um, they do that at the end of the episode. In the yeah. beginning. Right back to lust. Yeah, <laughs> during lust, that happened a lot. And I guess that could be pride. You know what I mean? You're letting people know you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. You little biscuit in his mouth the whole time. <laughs> that's gluttony, not just a weird sex kink. It's both. And they also fuck a sloth. That's different, but it's <laughs> The still... other two girls do yeah. that. Um... I think that's all I think that's what happened. to say about that. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. Then we watched Buffy, very special Buffy. Stacy, please tell us about Earshot. Earshot is about Buffy inheriting a power from a demon that she fights. And that power is that she can hear people's thoughts. Which seems like it's going to be super fun, but it turns out it's super not, and it almost drives her crazy, but it proves very helpful in saving everyone in the school from getting killed. Yeah. And Angel's there. (laughs) It's just an official synopsis. (laughs) And Angel's there. That's like what it would be if the charmed synopsis writers wrote it. I want you to know that every synopsis of the show, Angel, it just ends with, (laughs) and Angel's there. It opens on Buffy running from some naked Star Trek aliens who don't have mouths. Men in suits. <laughs> they just, they look very Star Trek. I don't know why. Yeah. They kind of look like in Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah. Those, like, guys that live in that cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them throws a knife at Buffy, and the other one ducks to get out of the way of the knife. So they're clearly, like, telepathic or something, or can, like, sense each other's motions. It's like a, a small detail, but, like, that dude knew to duck even though he never looked back. Yeah, I wouldn't have caught it, but Brian's like, clock that, lady. I don't call Stacy. I forgot her name when we watch the show. One of them gets away, but she does manage to kill the other one, and some of its, like, weird, milky blood gets on her hand. 
Giles and the boys have been researching the mayor's ascension, and they still know nothing. They've eliminated the demon Azeroth. That's about it. Wesley jogs in like a dork. He said he was detained for official council business. Yeah, right. He's official Cordelia's mouth business. <laughs> Giles says he was just filling them in on what he's found out about the Ascension. And Wesley's like, oh yeah, what took up the rest of the minute? Sweet burn, Wesley. Yeah. But Wesley also knows nothing about it. So I don't even know why he'd say that. Because Giles immediately just exposes that Wesley also knows nothing. Yeah. He's like, well, we know it's not Azeroth. And the kids just like all get up and leave. Giles is very pleased with himself. This episode brings back a few recurring characters, like Larry and Jonathan, and introduces a bunch of new characters, because later we'll need a long list of suspects. Percy, too. Don't forget Percy. Yeah, Percy's back. We meet Hogan Martin, Percy's friend, the star basketball player, who Xander hates until he says hi to him, and then he, like, totally starts fangirling. <laughs> Percy, the guy Willow was tutoring, comes up, and sounds like things are going great with them, and now she just loves going to basketball games to support him? Buffy's bummed she can't go to the games because she's a dumb vampire slayer and can't have any fun. I just, I, I feel like that theme comes back like every six episodes. It's <laughs> like, okay, Buffy, we know. You're sad that you can't be normal. And you should play basketball. You'd probably be great at it. Yeah. And this whole time, her hand is really itchy. She's scratching her hand. She goes to talk to Giles about that. He's researched this very quickly compared to the mayor stuff. He's got a picture of the demon she's fighting in a book. Apparently, this type of demon can infect the host with an aspect of the demon. Not really sure what that means yet. Then it's pep rally time, which is being held in the courtyard to remind us that that's a place a lot of students gather and it has a tower overlooking it. That's important later. We meet another new character, the school paper. <laughs> Just never been talked about before, but big character in this episode. Willow says the paper's been really depressing lately, and Oz is like, huh, I always just go straight to the obituary. That's so funny. Just the fact that the school has an obituary section in the papers. Hilarious. Xander's going on and on about how over Cordelia he is, and then Wesley walks through, and Xander's immediately jealous. Okay, why is Snyder or any other adult at the school not questioning what the fuck Wesley is doing here? Right? He's just some adult man in a very fancy suit. Stands out so much. Who just suddenly showed up and hangs out in the library every day and is maybe dating one of the students. And like lingers and stares at some of the students. It doesn't make sense that this is like his home base. Yeah, he should have like a visitor sticker on every day. I guess maybe the teachers just don't communicate with each other and they all assume he's just another teacher. Snyder would know. Snyder's very missing this season, too. Yeah, I agree, actually. I kind of, it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. He was like the link to the mayor and he hasn't said shit about the mayor since, like, Band Candy. He's only maybe been in one or two episodes since Band Candy. He was in Gingerbread. He was, like, getting off on the power. But that's the last I remember. I'm sure he made an appearance. Yeah, but... he told Will about Percy, but then yeah. he was just kind of regular principal. He wasn't even yeah. that big of a dick. Buffy can't enjoy the pep rally. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her. She's all worried she's going to turn into like a gross, disgusting monster like the fish people. And Willow scares her into thinking it was a boy demon, so she's going to grow a dick. Buffy walks home, and she looks in her little mirror to make sure she still has a mouth. And then Angel pops up behind her. She didn't see him in the mirror. He's there, I don't know, stalking her? He's worried about her with Faith on the loose, so he's just following her home? I mean, Angel, you're always stalking her. It doesn't matter if Faith's around. He literally says he's like tracking her. But also, she told you she needed a break, Angel, so maybe back off a bit, you creep. <laughs> also, why does he wear dress pants? Like, I'm not saying I want him to wear jeans, but the rest of his look is, like, pretty cool. His bottom half is, like, high school principal. I'm guessing the first time he saw dress pants, he was like, those are nice. Yeah, <laughs> like 1950. <laughs> 
Buffy tells Angel about her demon problem, and he's heard of this type of problem, and he assures her that no matter what, he'll always be with her and love her, no matter what kind of little monster she turns into. And if she wants to get Indian food while they watch a movie <laughs> he likes, that's fine. You looked it up, Angel. I yahooed it. You looked up the demon. <laughs> you looked it up. You know about it. I didn't have anything to do, Buffy. I'm a <laughs> dead man. I can only build so many fires, Buffy. <laughs> so I looked it up, yeah. I yahooed. And I know that most people, that's not a big deal, but computers are new to me. <laughs> it was hard. You think they had computers when I bought these pants? <laughs> yeah. Computers are pretty cool, man. They're the coolest thing since pants. That'd be funny if Angel just still wore, like, Revolutionary War era pants. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's dressed like Sailor Moon's, like, masked dude. I can't remember that dude's name. That means nothing to me, but I'm sure it means something to some people. At school, the kids are reminiscing about the big game. Willow and Xander are dressed ridiculously. Willow's got, like, a shirt with a cat cartoon on it, and Xander's wearing, like, what looks like the Mexican flag repeated everywhere. It's a lot. You're acting as if Xander doesn't, like, dress ridiculously always. You're right, but it was just, like, so loud. Yeah. Buffy shows up, and they're all like, shh, shh, she can't know about the game. (laughs) And then Cordelia shows up, and Buffy overhears some thoughts that Xander's having about her, which she mentions, and Xander's like, man, you read my mind. And Buffy's like, oh, fuck, that's the aspect of the demon. Cue crescendo music and commercial. Yeah. What do you think the commercial was for? I'm guessing it was that 1-800-COLLECT commercial sweepstakes with Buffy. Maybe. You think that would be the first commercial? I mean, yeah, I think so. I think that's what it was. Probably a preview for, like, 7th Heaven. It was probably a preview for Charmed. They're like, this week on Charmed, fucking, I don't know, lots of shit. (laughs) After commercial, Buffy walks through the school. She's hearing everybody's thoughts. We meet another new character, a teacher, Mr. Beach, who wants to get rid of all the students. (laughs) That's what he's thinking about. Giles isn't convinced this is real? I don't know why. Just listen to Buffy sometimes, Giles. Yeah, like once. Please. But she convinces him it's really happening by telling him about some very negative thoughts he had about her shoes. He's like, oh, damn. I did think that. They're very excited about the possibilities of this. Like what it could mean for her slang. But Buffy just wants to use it to show off in class? This is, like, fine. But honestly, I feel like that wouldn't be the first thing she'd think to use it for. Well, I mean, she did go to class, so... Be the first opportunity to use it. Yeah, but Giles is like, this could mean so many things. You could know what your enemies are thinking. And she's like, oh, I can think of something way better. And then it's just her in class. Mm -hmm. But we use this class to meet a couple more new suspects. Nancy, who thinks she's smarter than everyone, I guess is her deal. And Freddie Iverson, who writes the cynical editorials for the school newspaper. He hates, like, everyone and everything about the school. He seems to be the only person that works for the paper. They go in there later. There's, like, one desk and just him. Buffy's just getting all the answers right. She's like an expert on Othello because she's like reading the teacher's mind. And the smart girl next to hers. Which pisses off Nancy a lot. She hates Buffy. And then the teacher starts going in deep on Othello and all the stuff she's saying reminds Buffy of the way she's feeling about Angel. So she skips school to whip open Angel's curtains, which he was walking towards for some reason? Like, did she ring a doorbell? I don't think he knew she was coming. Like, why was he walking towards the sun? Yeah, I don't know why he was going. Yeah, he couldn't go anywhere. There was, like, nowhere he would have turned either. He was, like, going straight to where she walked in. The curtains are his door. I don't understand what... Where and why he lives in this place. He needs more security. But there's a curtain door, apparently. And she says she's sorry for opening the curtains, but then doesn't shut it. Yeah, no, there's just like a line of death that (laughs) he can't cross. Stream of light coming in the room that neither of them does anything about. 
She's there to use her new powers on Angel, which makes more sense to me as the thing she would have done in the first place, since that's, like, been on her mind the whole episode, what his true thoughts were about Faith and all that. But he knows what she's doing. He's like, you can't use it on me, because his thoughts work like the mirror, he says. I'm Whatever. doing a jerk-off motion. This is dumb. Yeah, I almost <laughs> wrote jerk-off motion. <laughs> that's how I felt about that. It's just like, whatever. Also, how does he know that's what she's doing? Yeah, it's not I, like she's holding her temples, like, wah, 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 wah. He's a little peeved that she's trying to do this, and he's like, how about you actually ask how I feel, you dumb child? <laughs> he doesn't actually, just so we're clear, he doesn't actually get that angry. No. You bitch. Start <laughs> slapping her. Maybe don't try to kill me with your entrance. But he explains how he felt about the whole Faith ordeal. He says he hated hurting her and that he doesn't want a bad girl. He's slept with dozens of bad girls. That's not what she wants to hear, Angel. He is like hundreds of years old, so that's not that crazy, you know? He could have just said, I've been with bad girls. He doesn't have to put a number on it. I feel like dozens is not that high for someone that's hundreds of years old. Well, we'll get to that. Because then he goes on to say she's the only person he's ever loved. What? You're a good-looking guy, Angel. What's wrong with you? Well, to be fair, he was an evil vampire for most of his existence. Yes, but not for like the last 150 years. Yeah. Like, no one's done it for you except this shallow-ass teenager. Yeah. Have you seen her shoes? (laughs) (laughs) Just... I don't know. That seems silly. Like, I love you, but I'm pretty sure I loved other people first. Buffy is a great character, and she grows so much in the show, but up until season two, she is shallow. Yeah. I'm not saying she hasn't, like, dealt with shit and has a complicated life, but I I just don't really get why he loves her so much. Because he saw her heart, honey. <laughs> God. Or whatever the fuck he said, like, three episodes ago. I, like, don't hate Angel, but just their their romance is... It feels very, this was written for teenage girls. Yes. So much of the show is like so deep and complex and well-written, but I don't know about their their relationship. At least like day to day. Overall, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting because this is like the, the romance. This is how it feels, I feel like, when you're Buffy's age, right? Mm-hmm. Like the love he's describing to her is what you feel like when you have your first love when you're 16, 17. Yeah. Like, this is destiny. I've never felt this way. Like, you're my soulmate. We can't be together because we're 12. (laughs) (laughs) We can't be together because your mom's mean to me. Like, you know, (laughs) dumb stuff. Her mom won't let me come into her house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I get it. You know, I was super in love with this girl. And when we ended up breaking up, I was like, I'll never find a girl who reads Dean Koontz books again, you know? Yeah. But Angel's not 16. (laughs) Do you like the character of Angel? Like, knowing everything you know about him? I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's there's more to it. Like, Angel's love for Buffy is is deeper. Like, because he's a supernatural being, like, maybe he could see something in her because she's also magical. That's what I have to say. Because you can't say more? No, be, no, I, no. just because otherwise the truth is, is that he's being dumb. Okay. But you didn't answer my question. Do you like the character of Angel? I, uh... I'm always happy to see him. Like, I like when he saves the day. It's nice how much he loves Buffy. But like when I think about it, I'm like, what? It's complicated because there's a show angel. Yeah, I know there's like so much more. And I, I would actually go as far as to say that the character of Angel sort of changes quite a bit. So it's hard to say. Okay. We'll revisit this in some years. In Buffy? No, I don't. I don't find him that interesting. But like I said, I'm always happy to see him show up. Yeah. But interesting isn't the right word. Okay. A library meeting has been called to inform everyone of Buffy's new ability. Xander's worried she's going to hear all of his sex thoughts and just leaves. (laughs) 
Wesley points out what people don't want Buffy to hear will likely pop into their mind. Yeah, it's like they don't think of pink elephants. And then he immediately has thoughts about Cordelia. He's just like, I'm bad. I'm a bad, bad man. He leaves too. <laughs> just like hides in the next room where she probably can hear him because later she can like hear her neighbors. That's super fun. I think her power gets stronger. Mm-hmm. But I think it's funny. He's like, can, can you hear me in here? Because <laughs> I can go into the room. Cordelia just always says what she's thinking. I think that's so funny. Yeah. I guess that maybe illustrates like she either doesn't have super deep thoughts or that she doesn't really think before she speaks. Kind of. Well, I think she does think. She thinks it, then she just says it. (laughs) She's like, she thinks it and then like, and that's what I'm thinking. She doesn't have a filter. That's what I mean. She doesn't think before she speaks. Willow's worried about Buffy being like too big of a superhero that she like won't want to be her friend now. And she doesn't like that she can understand Oz better than her, who, by the way, is having his own little existential crisis. Everyone leaves, including Buffy. Maybe this isn't as cool as she thought it was going to be. Giles discovers an instance of this happening before, and basically that guy couldn't stop it and just went insane. Buffy's walking through the school to the cafeteria. Everyone is just having all kinds of negative thoughts, including Jonathan and the school paper guy. We see the lunch lady, another new person who doesn't seem to love her job upon first glance. And amongst all the thoughts, we hear a distorted, but what definitely sounds like a woman's voice say, this time tomorrow, I'll kill you all. Cue crescendo music commercial break. 1-800-COLLECT. You could win a spot and an episode (laughs) of Buffy. Buffy's freaking out. She's trying to find... Sorry, this is back from commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Just dial the number, please. (laughs) Back from commercial. Buffy's freaking out. She's trying to find the thought haver. Everyone thinks she's gone crazy. She's just like so overwhelmed by all the voices and she just collapses. She wakes up outside. Her friends moved her there, I guess. And she tells them about the death threat. Xander makes a joke about it being the lunch lady. And then he says, who hasn't just idly thought about taking out the whole place with the semi-automatic? Whoa. <laughs> I wonder why this episode got pulled. That line, exactly. Yeah. It's not a joke they would make today in a show. Right. I need to do some research on like how many school shootings had happened at this time. Because later they point out that it's like trendy. Right. Like school shootings. But this was pre-Columbine when this was written, which is the reason Xander's joke doesn't work because of Columbine. Right. And even today, it's happened so frequently that I feel like it's still insensitive. Yeah. So I'm guessing it was happening, but like not on a large enough scale that they felt uncomfortable making this. Like they thought they were speaking to it and like sending a message. And then Columbine was like, oh, shit, this is actually like a thing that's going to happen. Right. Buffy wants to save the day, but she can barely walk. So the gang's on find the murderer duty. They start making lists of all the suspects. Giles takes her home, and she hears him think, if we can't help her, she'll go insane. At home, Joyce is tucking Buffy into her bed. She's got her little cow jammies on. Buffy has the cow jammies on, not Joyce. You're not going to need these if you're insane, right, honey? (laughs) (laughs) What? You mean like Joyce stole her cow jammies? The way you said it made it sound like Joyce is wearing Buffy's cow jammies. Oh, well, it could also be like Joyce had her own cow jammies on. <laughs> Joyce is in regular clothes. but she- Cow jammies, that's what she wears. <laughs> but she keeps making excuses to leave the room to get Buffy things. And then Buffy's like, wait a minute, you had sex with Giles on the hood of a police car. Twice! Just keeps adding more and more to it. I mean, this had pretty much been confirmed, I think, by a couple other episodes, but this is the first time we're hearing it for sure. Ugh. Twice? On the hood of the police car? Why? I mean, why not? It's a great place to have sex. (sighs) Why does it bother you so much? (laughs) I I get it. Who wants to have sex with Joyce? I like Giles. I don't like Joyce. Yeah. It's funny, though. It's also just complicated for Buffy. Yeah. Her mom can't have sex with her dad. That's not how her life works. (laughs) 
At school, Willow's taking charge of the murder search. She's going to match their list of suspects against the FBI mass murder profiles to rule people out? What? She has access to the FBI murder profiles? This is back when people were yahooing. It was... <laughs> the internet was very open yeah. back then. Also, like, but why? Well, she's a hacker, so theoretically she could have hacked this stuff, I guess. But are the students on the FBI mass murder profile list? Well, Seems I'm guessing like- it's like she's checking the profile for, like things that would indicate someone's a mass murderer, and if people that she sees at the school have those characteristics... Well, she doesn't do a good job. No. She's just, like, in teacher mode. She's giving them all assignments to interview all the prime suspects. She interviews Jonathan, which she's done before. What episode was that? Is that the fish one? I think it was the fish one, yeah. He peed in the pool. Right. He doesn't know what she's talking about, so he's not a suspect. Basketball star checks out. Cordelia just asks Mr. Beach if he's planning on killing everyone tomorrow. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's for the yearbook. That was funny. Xander's just asking a group of women what they look for in a man. I don't even know if any of them are suspects. Oz goes to interview the newspaper guy who's hiding under his desk. And he's got all these framed school shooter vibe articles on the wall. He's also got like a black shirt where the sleeves are like too long, which is like, this guy's bad. Yeah. He's definitely who the show wants us to think it is. Yeah. Buffy's still having a hard time. She can hear all the neighbors' thoughts. They sound like our neighbors. A lot of dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. did, we, did we talk about our neighbor just standing in the doorway with his shirt off? No. Anyway, we'll get to that. Send us an email if you want to know the full story. Giles and Wesley spend the night working on a potion in the library. Are they under some kind of curse where they can't leave the library? There's just so many other places they could be doing this. We've established students can just walk into the library, whether it's the middle of the night or not. And so can Wesley. But does he have a home? I'm, su- I'm assuming he sleeps there, too. Why does he love the library so much? Giles hasn't left the library in months. Go home, guys. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Jenny Calendar was killed in his home, so there's yeah, that. it might be weird to sleep in his bed. Apparently they need the heart of the other demon to finish the potion, but how will they get that without Buffy? Giles knows. He's going to have to ask Angel. Angel's going to have to go to the land of the lost. <laughs> when Giles has this epiphany, though, he says, Burke? Which I'm sure is British slang for that fucking cocksucker who tortured me. But I know we've got some listeners from the UK. Can you reach out and like translate Burke for us? Like how bad of a swear is it? I thought he was calling Wesley that. I think he just like says it to the air. Because he realizes that Angel's going to have to be the one to do it. And he hates Angel right now. Right. He could be, but... I feel like he doesn't still hate Angel, does he? I I don't know. They work to stop the apocalypse together in the Zeppo. Yeah. Because all Wesley does is say, who are we going to get to get the heart? So I don't know that that warrants Giles swearing at him. Well, I thought it was like, you're not going to do it, Wesley. You know what I mean? Like, we got to get someone else to do it, like you little bitch. Yeah, but they say that the only person that could get it is the Slayer. I don't know that. Those are tough demons. Yeah. I don't think Wesley or Giles would want to fight them. Let us know who Giles was talking to and what he said. So Angel's just like kicking that demon's ass, but it still runs away. He must get it, but like they seem tough to get. I'm guessing the actor inside that rubber suit just passed out from exhaustion, and that's how uh, Angel got him. (laughs) The next morning, Angel shows up at Buffy's house in the sunlight, covered in a cloak. He's got like a vase of glowing blue liquid. Someone couldn't have met him? Is that the heart? Or did they like give him potion materials and he's been doing something with that? Like, where's he been? It got light at some point. I'm guessing he like made the potion, but you'd think he'd be like, hey, can you guys come get this? Yeah. I can't go outside? Yeah. Wesley was just guarding the door. He didn't need to like be there. Yeah, just in case some thoughts came through the door. (laughs) 
But Angel takes the potion upstairs and makes Buffy drink it. It's sunny in her room. Yeah, the show plays pretty fast and loose with sunlight. She has, like, a violent reaction to the potion, and he calls for Giles, but, like, it's fine. We see her, like, a second later, and it's just Buffy waking up, Wizard of Oz style, surrounded by all her friends. And Wesley. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't seem to be hearing thoughts anymore and wants to know if they found the killer. At school, it's the day of the murder. Her friends are still doing interviews, but they're running out of time. Willow's interviewing Nancy. This is where she's wearing that snake shirt like Lorelai's. Xander's interviewing Larry, who's out now. And he encourages Xander to put something in the paper to let everyone know that he's out, too. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, he thought Xander was gay. Freddie, the newspaper guy, still avoiding Oz. He's the only one they couldn't find. And then we see Jonathan in the courtyard tower opening up a case of gun. Jonathan? No. You wouldn't suspect Jonathan. Even though he has been around when she's heard the thoughts. And you do hear Jonathan having, like, depressed thoughts the whole episode. Yeah. And the whole show. Things aren't going great for Jonathan ever. No. The gang has decided, though, that it's the newspaper guy, so they go to confront him. And we find out that he was just avoiding Oz because he wrote a bad review about Oz's band. And Buffy shows up. Cordelia finds a note from Jonathan on the desk revealing his master plan that he wanted the paper to print. After the fact? Well, I think it was a suicide note. Yeah. Although they didn't read it as a suicide note. Yeah, I feel like it's a weird... Like, the paper wouldn't print the killer's manifesto after the fact. But they might print a suicide note. They might. But at this point in the show, we don't know it's a suicide note. Right. Spoilers. It's a suicide note. I don't know. You say that, but do you remember there was a school shooter that sent a bunch of, like, promotion materials to CNN. And he, like, sent, like, photos of himself posing with guns and, like, a manifesto. And CNN didn't publish it, but some outlets did. Oh, like after the murder? Yeah. Huh. It was the Virginia Tech guy, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that sounds familiar. I remember in my journalism class, we were had this big debate, like, D- would you publish this? Because it is news everyone wants to know, but in the same... T- and it might even help people understand what happened. Yeah, I guess if it doesn't, like, glorify the killer. Well, that's the rub, though, because then it also sort of encourages, like, other people, like, well, I could do that. I can send my materials yeah. to CNN. The news will talk about me if I... Exactly. So, I mean, the newsroom was probably like, what do we do? Yeah. This will be the top story if we publish it. Anyway. I feel like now, with so many school shootings happening, they don't even like to say the killer's names if right. they don't need to. Everyone goes looking for Jonathan. Buffy sees him up in the tower with a gun, and she just, like, ninjas her way up there. In front of everybody. Yeah, Nancy sees her and is like, I could have done that. No, you couldn't have, Nancy. (laughs) If people didn't know something was up with Buffy before, they do now. Like, she just, like, pulls herself up onto the roof and, like, flips over. Jonathan points the gun at her and says not to try and stop him, to just go away, and that she thinks he's just a short idiot like everybody else. People are mean to him. Remember that time, like, someone pranked Cordelia with, like, her new boyfriend being Jonathan, and then the show wanted us to feel bad for Cordelia? I know. It's like Joss Whedon hates this guy. I know. He's been a butt of a lot of jokes. And it doesn't get better for him in this episode. No, not at all. She tries to talk him down. She tells him that, like, everyone's got pain. Trust me, I know what literally all of them are thinking. And yeah, maybe none of them noticed you, but it's because everyone's dealing with their own shit. So basically, you're not alone in being alone. All of this, though, although it seems really, like, heartfelt and, like, thoughtful, he does have a worse life than a lot of people at that school. And they do think shitty thoughts about him, including Buffy. Yeah. And then she says, you know I could have taken that gun by now. And he says, yeah, I know. So does he know she's superhuman? I feel like he's been around for some shit. I'm pretty sure he's seen her do shit. I don't know if, like, the word is totally out on her or not. She's about to beat up the lunch lady, so. 
if they don't address that everyone knows by the end of the season. Well, a lot of the guys know that she's like super strong. Remember? Because like a couple times she's broke up a fight and the guys are like, oh, yeah, don't fuck with Buffy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So she takes his gun. She disarms it and is like, how about don't shoot up the whole school next time you get sad, okay? He's like, what? No, I was going to kill myself. With this giant gun. Maybe it's a normal-sized gun. <laughs> why, why up in the tower, too? Like, that probably wasn't necessary. You wanted to feel tall. Maybe. Aww. Listen, guys, I'm short. I'm not Jonathan short, but I'm short, so I can make these jokes. And then Xander, who's been distracted from his quest to find Jonathan by some jello, stumbles upon the school's singular lunch lady, who's just dumping a whole box of rat poison into the food. <laughs> She chases Xander with a knife. Buffy was already on her way here, so she stops her and just, like, beats the shit out of this lunch lady in the middle of the cafeteria. Also clearly a stunt double a lot of the time. I liked when Xander was flipping over tables, like, don't eat it, don't eat it. You'd think someone maybe would have eaten it by now, unless she was just making it for some future food. It looks like she was making it. Yeah. They didn't interview her for some reason. I knew it sounded like a woman. Buffy's all back to normal. Giles asked Buffy how Jonathan's doing. I guess he got suspended for bringing a gun to school. So Buffy narked on him? Yeah, why? Like, maybe she felt she had to do something to keep him from, like, further self-harm. But it's only going to make his life harder. Yeah, she could have told no one but her friends and Giles. Like, she's the only person who knew he brought a gun to school. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. Like, I, you'd probably want to make sure he didn't kill himself. So I think she thinks she's helping him. Right. But it's not like that was public. So I was like, Yo, Buffy, you, you're the one that got him in trouble. And then... <laughs> and then she tells Giles that she's a little worried that Jonathan's maybe reading too much into all of her niceness and that she's worried he might ask her to prom. And Giles is like, oh, well, that would be nice for him. Would you say yes? And she's like, gross. He's like three feet tall. Angel loves her. <laughs> uh, just like, why are we reinforcing this point that we hate Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy for something he could never help about himself. It's kind of funny, but I don't know. It's a weird choice for the show to make, I think. I don't want to go off on this too much, but I feel like it's like perfectly fine to make fun of short men. It's just like, you're a short man. Ha <laughs> ha, fuck you, you're a joke. I'm sorry, what? You think that's fine? No, I just feel like... Culturally, we feel like that's fine. Oh, okay. I'm not like freakishly short. Full disclosure, I'm five six, which is short. But I am six two. <laughs> I'm not. I'm like five five and a half. I am short, but like it's crazy how it's totally fine to make fun of a short dude for something he cannot control. That's like if someone were ugly and just be like, "Yeah, you're ugly. We can make fun of you for being ugly." It's like, no, they can't fix that. I mean, most things that people get made fun of for, you can't really change. I feel like, sure, if you call somebody ugly, like, in a TV show, though, you're not portrayed as a funny person. You're like, oh, that guy's a jerk. But, like, making fun of someone for the clothes they wear, it might be because they don't have a lot of money. Yeah, but if you make fun of someone for the clothes they wear, number one, someday in their life they can change that. Number two, the person that's making fun of them for their clothes is a villain in the show, not a funny, cool dude. Sure. Not the hero of the show. Yeah. Anyway. Giles asks if she's up for some training after school. And she's like, sure, sounds great. If you're not too busy having sex with my mother. And then Giles walks into a tree. (laughs) Cut to forever commercial. That's the episode. Yep. Brian, did you think it was a good one? I did. I think it's a really fun one. Except for the school shooting parts. But yeah, I liked it. I think this episode had actually quite a bit of like action stunts. Mm -hmm. Buffy fights that demon. Angel fights that demon with some like swing set aerobatic stuff. Yeah, you said they were probably pretty bummed they had to cut it from air. Yeah, but then also just that whole scene of her like running up to the roof, like all that. That was obviously Buffy's stunt devil, but like the stunt devil had to do a ton of work for that. But also thought it was funny and had some fun character stuff in it. 
So yeah, I liked it a lot, actually. It's interesting because it probably it was sort of luckily a decent one that they had to pull. Like, there wasn't a ton of season story in it. Right, it wasn't like a faith-centric episode uh-huh. or something. It was basically Monster of the Week. Like, I bet if not seeing this one, you, you really don't miss a ton of the overall story. It was a fun Monster of the Week, too, because it was another one of those, like, mystery whodunits. Mm-hmm. Like the puppet show one, where there's a lot of misdirects and we're, like, trying to figure out this mystery as opposed to, like, this one's about a snake demon that we gotta fight it's just we're trying to put stuff together i like that yeah i thought it was super fun so which episode do we think was better which one do you think was better i it's hard i think i'm gonna go buffy though i've been thinking about it and i really have been waffling but i think i have to go buffy i think there weren't that many things about buffy that bothered me yeah i really liked gilmore a lot but i didn't like the things i already mentioned like the luke rant about the cookies or the, well. Both. Yeah. About Jess at Nicole's parents' house and about the cookies. I didn't like that they dropped the Suki thing, but there weren't like a ton of flaws with Buffy. Both were really funny. Yeah, I thought both were actually pretty good episodes. Mm-hmm. I just think that Buffy was a pretty tight episode. And even though it was an individual episode, like Monster of the Week, I feel like it touched on a lot of stuff like world building and reinforcing stuff. Touched yeah. on the swimming episode, touched on the old werewolf episode, touched on the character relationship. I liked that. Gilmore Girls had, like, some very memorable, fun scenes, but, I mean, it's, this is a, it's a hard one. I'm just going Buffy because I think it's new and exciting to me. Yeah, I'm sorry if you thought I was going to go Gilmore. It didn't. I didn't know which way you would go. I mean, it's really close to me, but I'm going to go Buffy. I just think it was a little tighter. I didn't know going into this. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 19, Choices. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 19, Keg, Max. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, who coached your high school football team? <laughs> Is your relationship with your grandparents different than the relationship your parents have with your grandparents? How did that potion get made? How do you feel about Angel? No spoilers. Do you think it's true love, or do you think he's just also naive? Who do you think should have made the pizza? How did they do that pizza? Was it CGI? Was it fake? Was it a rubber pizza? Did you suspect Jonathan? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, and it really helps get our podcast discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to our podcast, you can follow us at Brian and Stacey. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstaceyreviews at gmail.com. Whoa, you had sex with my mother? Uh-huh. On a car? Uh-huh. You don't own a car! It was a cop car, baby. Oh, okay, that's fine then. I own that shit. She loves cop cars. Taxes. Crescendo, cut to commercial. Bye.